Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Blunt Force Gamers, your gaming podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Game Goblin, as I have been for the last, oh my god, five seasons. Here we come. I am sitting alongside my co-hosts, Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. Go ahead and introduce yourself there, sir. Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. That's Shit. My... It's yeah. been five years. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. And how do you feel about that? Introduce yourself there, Darth Blasphemous. Hail to the dark side! That's right. Uh, well, it's funny, because this all started as a joke, uh, and then someone who never really was part of the podcast, because they left, said we wouldn't make it uh, to the end of the season, season one. Well, that which shall not be named didn't even uh, <clears throat> sit into an episode? I think they made it one episode in and said this project wouldn't last... Like, more than five or some shit like that? No, uh, they didn't make the recording episode, I remember, because there was an argument after the fact, because I said I'd be coming home later and didn't specify an exact time. Ah. Well, here we are. Episode one of, oh my god, season five. We have yet to be canceled in full. It's impressive in its own right. I know, right? <laughs> coming soon. One Force Gamers podcast from a detention center near you. <laughs> Broadcasting from FEMA Camp number 47. Off to the Gulag tonight. Off, off to the Gulag. And as we're moving into post-apocalyptic era, and inspired by uh, some viewers that magically have popped up the last month or so on YouTube, uh, which I have mostly closed down almost in its entirety... I did make public uh, one of the gaming videos that I made for my game group. I posted it, and I'm sitting at around, I last I checked, about 550 to 600 views on it. Nice. And I'm getting like two to three new subscribers per week asking for more Rift's videos. Wow. Um, so I'm going to take a sip of my drink here for a moment and let that sit in on everybody's listening stuff that I'm doing something that's quasi-successful for a change. <laughs> yeah. That would explain the topic choice. Yes, the topic choice. There is a lot of D&D in the world. and as, Far too much and too many contradictory voices. Yes, and as Darth Blasphemous has pointed out earlier, why don't we do an episode on Rifts or other games that we enjoy? And right now with Rifts and the impending apocalypse upon us, it is a great time to talk about apocalyptic roleplay World leaders who are crazy binks and all that fun stuff. And, dude. Oh my god. Darth Blasphemous, as I'm talking about crazy world leaders, is unzipping his pants and rubbing his stomach. No, no, I had to undo my belt because I had it cinched a little too tight for the way I'm sitting. And I don't want to move because I just found a comfy spot where my back doesn't hurt. I am actually really glad I did not mention Lord Splincrith, <laughs> our tentacle master-in-chief, as you're undoing your pants. Jesus, that'd be gross. Anyway, you no, know, I'm saving my rip-away pants for the honeymoon. Uh, so we're going to move kind of into Rift's territory, opening for Season 5, out of D&D territory, which gets a lot of coverage. Uh, yeah, far too much, especially since Matt Mercer has made it basically geek at this point. Yeah. And there are plenty of good games out there that do not get enough coverage, whether it's Bunnies and Burrows, Teenagers from Outer Space, Chill, GURPS. There, there's tons of games. Silver out there. Age Sentinels. Silver Age Sentinels. Mm -hmm. Human Occupied Landfill. There's tons of games out there that are great, wonderful, fun, and in their own right have excellent settings. Vampire the Masquerade, back in the 90s, was, yeah, your proto-golf game, and it was excellently written by Mark Ryan... Hagen, because he's got that weird dot in his last name. He doesn't hyphen, he dots. Uh, I mean, it was a great uh, game at the time. It was er easy to fucking play, easy to learn. Uh, yeah. Full of lore, and it had excellent uh, supplement books coming out all the damn time, so you could never keep up with what was coming out. Mm-hmm. So, 
Rift is actually one of those that I got into first off. The first book I actually got my hands on as far as role-playing, other than the ones that were confiscated, was actually the first core rule book to Rifts, and it blew my mind because it had topics in it I had not even conceived of before. You know, a post-apocalyptic world with dragons, cyborgs, wizards, sorcerers, alien beings, gods, normal people, space wizard lizards. It had everything. It was basically... At that time, I was a big Mortal Kombat fan, still am, but it's like Mortal Kombat, the role-playing game. It has a little bit of everything. Let's combat! Prepare for slowdown. So, let's get into the basics of Rifts here, because I am, of course, the primary GM for Rifts in our group. These two gentlemen here have played it, so they're going to try I have not. You have not? Well, you will soon, goddammit. Well, I have no other games going on right now because people deciding to flake on me. Well, that, and it's really hard to organize a game when you have to host two police officers plus your game group in any gathering. Oh, no, wait, the lockdown's over. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't noticed. Traffic is still a clusterfuck around here, so maybe there was a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, uh, Cancer Can, I know you have played Riffs. Uh, yeah, I'm in the game that you, you run! You have sitting in my living room last I checked. Uh, <laughs> and yes, you also got to see me go with my diet. That fucking... Oh, the last game session, the dice were not with me. That one did. Oh. No, they really weren't. I still think that one is still in the freezer waiting to be smashed. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to start, we're going to do this episode with the good, the bad, and the fugly. So we're going to mm. start out with, it's an old format I used to do, the GB after good, the bad, the fugly. You know, so bad, it's just, you got to put an F in front of it. Anyway, the good of Rifts, you can play anything. Damn near anything. So unless your DM says it does not fit the start of my game, which is the only place that it matters to make any difference to start, right? If you're making a character and the DM says, I don't want you starting that way. Down the road you might get there, but not yet. It's actually really funny because uh, Rifts, in its own right, is probably a game that if it got... uh, widespread public attention right now would be cancelled in a fucking heartbeat. I am surprised Symbiana doesn't have like a bunch of blue-haired harpies right now shrieking in front of his office. But, if you want to play a woman in a skin-tight bodysuit who procreates through basically budding like a mushroom, you can. You want to play a space alien with tentacles for arms? You can. You want to play Cyborg with drills for hands. You can. You want to play Edward Dickfingers. You can do that. Uh, One of the great things I like about the setting is if it is imaginable, it's probably in Rifts. It's probably in Rifts. Uh, One of the the other things, and I'll get to this in the bad, is yes, everything exists. There's everything. Of course, you guys met cactus people in the game. Their lore. Uh, my favorite, of course, are Grackletooth, uh, which are big, slow, lumbering, big fucking lizards who are so chill and laid back about everything and love heavy weapons and smoking cigars. It's like an 80s movie. <laughs> right? Given a cowboy hat. And, you know, crocodile skin. And crocodile skin, of course. <laughs> Can't forget that. Anyway, just about anything is possible. And, of course, at this point in time, even back when I first started, they have a supplement book for almost every region. So the apocalypse has come, humanity got reset back to zero, for the most part, during the what's considered the long dark or the cataclysm. Mm-hmm. And each section of the world now no longer has communication with each other. Because satellites are fucked. Satellites are super fucked. And therefore, any extra orbit shit is also super fucked from the shrapnel. Actually, yeah, any, yeah. Basically, it goes on the theory that you know one satellite crashes into another, creates chuff, which crashes into more satellites, which crashes into more satellites, and you get basically a it's the dark domino scenario. The dark domino scenario, exactly. 
And they have a world book for almost every location. They got two for Russia, last I checked, a couple for China. Uh, there's the Australia book. There's two for South America. There's plenty of North America books because that's the core setting. They brought back Atlantis. They have Canada even because people survived up there. Damn it. Those pasty fucking maple syrup munchers survived. Uh, yeah, they got books for everywhere. They got books for England, books for Africa. Um, shit. So is Australia to... still hard mode? Australia is... I... Mm, given if, a... if I were so... to give a review of the book itself, it's like they didn't know where they were going with it. Because it's half Mad Max and half civilized... Uh, we all know in real life history, Australia started as a penal colony. It's become one of the most civilized places on Earth. Uh, and post-apocalypse, they devolved into Mad Max on one side of the continent, and on the other side, the penal colony thing still continued on, where they just kept getting more and more civilized, and became like super ultra-tech awesome sauce. And then you got the spiritual side of it, where they've actually got like koala people, who are fighting the crocodile people. I, it's like they didn't know where they were going when they were writing this book, and they are just like, fuck it, let's do a little bit of everything. Throw it all in the pot and start stirring. Exactly, dude. It's like, just throw it in a pot and whatever boils to the top will publish. And, like, that's kind of the thing about Rifts is, like, it is so diverse on every single book that I've seen, and I haven't seen many, as well as for the stories I've heard from Goblin. Like, every book, every world book is unto itself a history, a story... A world setting and everything that you need in it right to bring you know hey here's the rift space system here's this little pocket world basically yeah uh, and again like I was mentioning you know, with the satellites being down communications are gone each place in the world is basically like resetting culturally back to pre-industrial civilization so Japan is a combination of high-tech ninjas and samurais as uh, of course, stereotypical ninjas and samurais, schoolgirls and fuzzy monsters, with a little battle royale action going on, and mega corporations. This is basically cyberpunk uh, meets Blade Runner, meets uh, the Ether, meets Ninja Scroll. Yeah, uh, and of course, you know, like we just mentioned, Australia is part Outback, part Mad Max, part something tech giant. Uh, South America, of course, is fucked. <laughs> uh, literally apocalypse is in the title of that book if i remember right yes uh literally it is uh overrun by vampires in <laughs> south america and essentially the governments of south america and parts of mexico are basically what would happen if the cartels took over just you know they happen to be blood-sucking cartels yeah, quite literally blood-sucking cartels literally they're vampires uh, almost every book, you know, is that like every culture's resetting back to zero? Uh, Two Fs? And, uh, no. One F. One F. Uh, Rifts. Yeah, it's fugly. F-U-G-L-Y. Anyway, uh, like, I give a lot of shit to especially the book for Rifts England, because uh, this is one of those that's going to be definitely in the fugly category, but okay. England apparently reset all the way to High technology Camelot times. Straight up Knights of the Round Table. Straight up Knights of the Round Table with fairies, pucks, brigands, all that stuff. It is probably one of the least favorite books out of the collection that I can think of. Oh, of course, Rifts Russia, of course, they just went right back to communism. Because apparently it worked so well the first time. Yeah, well, you can't fix stupid. Nope. Free Quebec is actually a really good uh, book. Uh... Canada mostly survived the war. Um, oh, yeah, you have to be human to suffer. As far as Quebec is concerned, anyway. Oh. Which is weird that Quebec, of all places in Canada, would be like the bastion of civilization, civilization considering what Canadians think about Quebec these days. But, you know, hey, it happens. And there's, a, I, there's too many books to go over in just one episode or review. In just one episode, they've got so many. But, like... 30 some odd world books not even splat books just world books something like that and like uh, Kazakhan was just mentioning too like each book in, of, in its own right is its own lore 
And nearly every world book comes out with at least four, a minimum of four new races and something like six new uh, character uh, class or racial archetypes. So when you're talking 33 books with an average of like that... So you're looking at like thousands of different classes, not even, you know, combinations of race-class combo. Yeah, well, you're looking at several hundred just occupational classes or racial-based classes. Like, And by racial-based, of course, I'm not saying, oh, if you're Chinese, you get these skills. I'm saying if you are a... Dragon. If you're a dragon, you get dragon skills. If, you if you're are, psychic, you get psychic skills. If you're a space alien, you get space alien skills. Because your skill cactus set... Cactus people. Cactus people have different skill sets. Well, space aliens are going to need to know how to do this thing called astro-navigation. And if they've done it for generations, it's going to be a generational thing. You're right. That's why people of that species from outer space have that skill. Ding, ding, ding. It kind of makes small, uh, sense. It, yeah, it's one of those things of how people nowadays know shit tons more than people a hundred years ago because the sharing of information all that it's become a generational thing we all know how to calculate triangles and shit we do but we've also lost a lot of knowledge in the interim especially Mm -hmm. tribal knowledge right and you know it's sort of a weird thing that you have to balance this but every culture has to balance this and therefore, every race that makes its way into rifts also has to balance this. Yeah, I, I doubt any suburbanite or city dweller will ever be able to farm as well as an Amish person. True. Just saying. But then again, an Amish person has no chance at navigating the deeper intricacies of the internet. Yeah. Okay. Even inter- even getting to the internet may be questionable. Exactly. <laughs> so... Basically, yeah, that's the, that's the good. I mean, Rifts, you can play practically anything. There's a shitload of Splat books. There's a lot of core books. There's tons of Dimension books if you're playing an interdimensional game. Um, oh, yeah, that's a thing, too. Yeah, you got interdimensional books. Uh, so you can go to Center, which, of course, uh, is another dimension, which leads to a shitload of other books where you got you know, different races and stuff that can wind up on Rifts, different occupations that can wind up on Rifts. And, of course, it opens up the realm of space travel. So, on Rifts, the, the good is you have a post-apocalyptic setting. On Earth only. On Earth, where practically everything is allowed. Whether it's psychic, whether it's magic, whether it's technological. And some, some mix cases, of them. Some mix of them, or something stranger, even. Fucking gods. Yeah, you got gods running around as much as you got people in power armor. And it's awesome, you know, like, as Kazuki had mentioned before, every place has its own history and lore. It's, it's not insignificant lore, that. Like, these books are, like, 300 pages deep. And not exactly large print by any stretch. There's a lot of information packed on these things. Yeah, so if you were looking for a simple and easy game to... Hello, nurse. Um, <laughs> I saw that. Yep. yep. <laughs> Somebody's scrolling through pictures, and I'm like, Hello, anime. Yum, yum. Yeah, like... Uh, and, of course, Rissa's had licenses in the past. The books are hard to find nowadays. But they even had licenses for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Robotech. So if you wanted to play a game set in a post-apocalyptic world where mutants are fighting giant robots... You can do it. You can do that. Especially, you know, just don't go up into the middle of Canada because that's where the giant bug, man-eating bugs are. Yes, the Zictics. Or the City Chicks, or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, nobody really knows how except for the original writer, and I think sometimes he even uh, makes up new words on the fly. Wouldn't be surprising. It is a game setting that, as far as the game is concerned, they can get away with pretty much everything. and They can omit or add whatever they want. If you want to play a game where it's space cowboys meet Earth cowboys fighting the Borg. Done. It's doable. It's doable. The rules are there. That would be book 14, right there? Book 14 for that one. There's another one. (laughs) Space cowboys, actually, too. Uh, and you know, yeah, practically everything was allowed. You know, I've seen pictures on like gag pictures of the Imperial AT-AT walkers made in steampunk style. Yes, and, and this it is kind of cool. So it's, you know, that could come stomping down the way, and then a T-Rex can just come charge at it, so, or a dragon. Oh yeah. So let's get into the bad uh, mm. because we've gotten into some of the good here. We've got World War, a plenty, lots of books, lots of options. The bad. First off. 
It is a complex as shit system. Yeah, I think the biggest problem you guys have had in my game is not me personally, not the way I run the game, not no. the NPCs. It's looking up information in the book because... There is so much random shit. So much random shit, and like the uh, one book we're using is the Coalition War Campaign, and they actually have military OCCs broken up into two different sections in the book, and when you guys need to review the rules, we always seem to forget which half of the book to look through. Right? And it it's so... Like getting into Fugly, the organization. Just we'll get that. We'll get to that later. Yeah, creating a character alone uh, showed you guys like how many times you have to flip forward and backwards in the book. Oh, dude, it was like a hundred, and that was just for me. Yeah. Like the other two were like they had their own books and their phone, and were doing the same shit. Exactly. The, one of the worst things about it is uh, the way the books are laid out. It is not new user-friendly uh, by any stretch. Unless you're super excited about the game and you want to flip through and memorize every fucking page. It's not really new user-friendly at all. I mean, more props to you if you do that. Like, that's, more props. Uh, that's <laughs> that's how, some mad shit right I there. I was super excited uh, when I first discovered Rifts and started buying the books when I was young, so I had no problem with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for you guys, you're not as excited as I was. You're not as into it. It's a new thing to try. And it's my idea to put it on you. It's not your idea to, hey, I want to introduce this game. So yeah. if it was your guys' idea to introduce a game, I'm sure you'd be learning the books a lot more fluently quicker. Yeah. And, you know, that's true of any game. And that's true especially with a complex system. Like, Rifts is a complicated enough system to allow for damn near infinite customization. Yep. But... Absolutely that also provides choice paralysis Absolutely. in really fucking good spades. I, I think one of the other big issues, and I've run into this as the GM, and you guys have noticed I'm trying <laughs> really hard not to kill you guys because I want to run a story. And Power creep. Pa there is a major amount of power creep. Uh, World book, actually it's right there on the screen. Federation of Magic is near top end of the power creep for the core setting when it comes to playable races classes uh gear equipment utilities the whole nine right out of the box some of these classes that you get these magic classes uh mystic knight first Fucking comes to mind Bork. they are essentially walking tanks and we're not we're not actually talking about dudes literally walking a tank which is like what uh, Glitter Boy and, yeah, Glitter Boys, and Dead Boy Pilots and Samus stuff like Pilots. So, you know, those guys are walking around in power armor and just tromping through shit because fuck it, right? It's in the way. These guys are in, like, a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, and they take little damage. Like, when it comes to energy type of damage, they take almost nothing. Oh, I can shoot them with a laser that will punch through four miles of buildings before doing before fading out and not doing enough damage to continue. Yeah, you, you could basically hit them with a ion cannon from Star Wars. And they and you'll ruin their t shirt. They are Really? I just paid for this. Fuck off. And that's the way they come right out of the box. So power creep is a thing and my suggestion, and I'm doing that in my game right now. Any GM who's interested in playing uh, any rifts keeps their setting to one location as far as books are concerned. Or at least it's balanced within the location. <laughs> at least it's semi-balanced in the location. So if the group is all happy to play Psychics, introduce the group to Psyscape. You know, that's a great world book. It has a, a lot of awesome ideas in it. Unless one of the players decides to be a troll and play a Psy Nullifier, which will screw the party. <laughs> Quite a bit. A lot. <laughs> you know, because walking zone of nope is great when you're the only one that has it. If you're, But if all of your allies are still in that zone of nope, they're not they're doing screwed. anything. Yeah, so like, if everybody's interested in playing like a cyberpunk game, basically, with lots of, you know, sneaking, stealth, and energy weapons, Rift's Japan is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rift's Japan is an awesome game if you want to run a game like that. But if you run Rifts Japan and, say, Rifts Africa in the same setting, the Rifts Africa book is an older book 
So it's not as powered up as the newer Rift Japan book. So obviously the people who are playing Blight uh, Wizards are not going to have the same powers and abilities as a so high warrior monk. Saying the newer the book, the more powerful you are, especially all the way until you get to about the midpoint of their publishing. Then they're like, wait, power creep bad. Power creep bad. That is definitely one of the, the bad parts. Uh, especially any book where you see the name C.J. Corella has wrote it. You can definitely tell that book is going to have some power creep. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, so that's one of the bad things about it is the layout inside the books, the power creep. I, I'd actually call the layout inside that that's straight up a fugly. That's straight up a fugly. You call it that? I am calling that a fugly because, you know like, three hundred pages in, you finally get the first steps to making a character. Well, you're a new player. You know what? I will allow it. Because you have a different perspective on the book than I do. I became more familiarized with them 20 years ago. Exactly. And, you know, you had that experience. You don't have this burning hatred for the way that it's organized. Because, like, it lore dumps on you. And then it does items and mech suits and oh, robot forget, armors. Don't forget more lore dumps in between. More lore dumps and magic. And all of this is just mashed in there. Like, oh, I need some of this. Oh, I need some of this. Oh, I need some of this. Hey, items. Oh, I need some of this. Hey, magic. Oh, I need some of this. It's just layered on there like some fucking child making an ecosystem. I think one of the other bads, and uh, before we get into the fugly stuff, uh, I think one of the bads, but goods at the same time. It goes both ways. It's very Dutch door. Is the combat system. Yeah, I've been having fun with the combat system so far. It's... I roll over a four, I hit. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You don't really have to calculate much beyond that. Oh, and you know, of course you get bonuses, so if you're trying to make cold shots or anything... Crazy shit happens. Crazy shit. You still get bonuses to stack on top of that to increase your roll. Plus, the player or NPC can respond. So Blasphemous is sitting over here all quietly. I decide to stab him with this plastic fork. Ugh! Well, guess what? I rolled a four. I rolled a five. That means I hit. It connected. It connected. However, he has to beat my five on a d20 roll, and if he's got a plus three to dodge automatically, he can respond to my attack by burning one of his response actions, and he rolls a nine. My attack has been negated. He dodged. You can respond to your opponent attacking, which is one of the best things I think about the combat system. I love that part. It's great. The bad part is... So can the enemies. Well, not so can the enemies. The combat tracker is the least. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to know. How it is so time-consuming because, like, Kazerkad's character right now, I think he has, like, some, like, five attacks. Uh, uh, the local marine has six attacks. The ranger has, like, four attacks. Then I have to, every turn, I have to, you know, oh, you attack this turn. There's one off of your list. And there. There's always a tally going on instead of you use both your actions this turn, let's continue on. It's, it's not like D&D where it's a move action, a bonus action, a standard action. Those three actions is all the action economy you really have, and then a reaction somewhere in the round. Yeah. It's all clumped together. It's one thing. In Rift, it's, okay, we're going on this initiative order, this initiative order, this initiative order. One going, one response. Okay. Resolve, resolve. Next down the line, one going. You're just doing this back and forth thing. Combat is slow. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is the trade-off, though, for having an in-depth combat system. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. It's like, because the system is so varied, and you can do so much with it, even just, like, we're fairly low-level beans, and we're still doing quite a lot of shit. You are. So, like, there's a lot of options, there's a lot of... The combat feels organic from a storytelling perspective. It's like, oh, I'm going to shoot him. Well, he's going to take a pot shot back at you, because what else are you going to do or, if they pop that, out? You, know, you shoot him, and he's got a terrific uh, ability to roll with punch, fall, or impact. So he can just roll with it and take half damage as his response. Right. And, like, it feels organic when you layer it with the storytelling. It feels organic. It's like, well... It's like those, those kids' games, you know? Oh, I shoot you with my laser. Well, I put out my shield to block your laser. But I, but my laser is sonic as well, so it punches through your shield. You get this 
you know, it's a silly power creep else escalation thing, but they do respond to each other in pretty quick time. They do. Uh, the Fugly... Oh, boy. How to begin, they wonder. Um... <laughs> there is some fugly stuff. Yeah. Uh, the same with any role-playing game. There is some fugly. Uh, Everything has it. Number one, Rift does allow for elves. Okay. Uh, you get 31 flavors of elves. You have space elves. You have Atlantis elves. You have forest elves. You have space elves. You do have 31 flavors of elves. That is definitely a fugly. Space um, elves with raisins. Space elves without. Yeah, you got space elves with raisins. Totally. Uh, you even have space elves who are not space elves because they don't identify as space elves. They're bad elves, but they're not elves because they say they're not elves. It's true. You guys have not been to that continent yet. Um, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, they, we, they, we haven't even left our own continent. You haven't even left your own continent because there's just so much to fucking do on it. Uh, I would say the most fugly thing, though, in my less than humble opinion, is the plagiarism. Yeah, it's rampant. I understand, uh, as a freelance writer from time to time, that you need at minimum seven degrees of separation to get away with something. This is something I learned when I was doing comic book characters. I can create a character who's named Wolverine and publish that character and make money from that character, but it has to be seven degrees of separation away from Marvel's Wolverine. Right. Or I can get sued hard. Hard. Especially with a big ticket like that. Uh, I cannot take the name... I can't publish a, a movie named Star Wars. I can't publish a movie named Star Wars with Luke Skywalker. But I can make a movie called Star Battles. With Stellar Battles. Stellar, Stellar Battles. Stellar with, Wars. And have seven degrees of separation from it. And if it's far enough away from the original stuff, even if I am obviously plagiarizing, it is far enough away from the source material not to be confused with the source material that I could get away with it. and But it's Disney. They'll still try to sue. I'm just saying, it, you, gotta, you have to have some uh, separation here. And... Rift. Symbiata. I, I, he has successfully run a company for over 40 years. I have not, so I give him credit where credit's due. But like I said, with Rift's England being one of my least favorite books, you actually have the Knights of the Round Table. You have... A variant spelling of Merlin. It's just this weird thing where he's an alien entity with magical powers. Um, I'm not sure if Symbiota knew at the time or not, but actually the King Arthur stories are open source material. You don't have to credit anybody. Uh, you don't have to pay royalties to anyone for using that. Um, just putting that out there. However, um, he also brought in like the uh, magical Technosword Caliber X. Yeah, so that kind of irritates the shit out of me when I see books like this. Like, this is published. How did you publish? Why? What? How, how, how did you not get slammed down by copyright? How did you not... Well, it's not just not slammed down by copyright. How did you not get slammed down by people who critique this shit? Uh, there is, in some of the books, just blatant, outright plagiarism. Uh, not... Maybe he wants to put it under the category of inspiration, but my biggest fugly with this is some of the stuff that he's done. It's like Nex on Orcs and World of Warcraft. It's just too much. You know, having a neck is fine. Having 30% of your upper body mass be neck is too much. Yep. Yeah, there is some uh, very blatant plagiarism in the books. Um, I'll say inspiration bordering on plagiarism, actually. Yeah. Um, but it, it's very evident, and unfortunately, as both a player and a GM, it takes me out of the lore of the world. Yeah, it, it really just sort of, really? You get this moment of, are you serious with me right now? And, you, like, it breaks the immersion. It breaks the feeling of the game, the lore that has been established. It doesn't quite fit. It fits enough that it got printed, but it doesn't fit enough to feel it. Yeah, it doesn't feel enough to feel it when you're playing the game. Uh, the other thing that I have a problem with, as far as the fugly goes, and this heralds back to our first thing with the good. So this is a good and a fugly, depending on how you, you take it. But again, why did Western United States revert to basically being the high-tech Old West? Why did Japan revert back to a feudal system of samurais and ninjas? 
Why did uh, Africa revert back to being tribal warfare with witch doctors? Right? I mean, I know the apocalypse happened, but I don't think everybody's going to reset back to pre-industrial times. There's still going to be enough knowledge that people are going to try and keep going forward. Yeah, that's one of the issues I have with it is a lot of the world book settings feel very stereotypical in their uh, own regards. Yeah, it like, inspiration is one thing, but if it goes to such a point where it's, you know, po making light of uh, a culture, a thing, a place, a topic, an idea, that you can start to have problems with that. And I, I can think, see where that would fit the fugly. I think, you know, in Rich Japan's case, you know, he was weaving out on that one. Yeah, sure. Like, what's really cool, you know, anime was just beginning to hit U.S. shores as far as popularity went at that time. That's back when Vampire Hunter D came out. Uh, on our shores. Oh, that's, wow. That's when Robotech was, you know, being bootlegged off of people, recording it off of HBO. You know, when we had this thing called cable TV. Hmm. Back in the olden days. Back in the olden days. So I think he was weeding out a little bit on when that TVs one. TVs were fat and men were thin. Yes. Uh, however, some of the uh, global powers that be going back to pre-industrial times does not make sense. Or, like, why did Russia go back to being, uh... They're a combination of warlords. Uh, Rift's Russia is a combination of warlords and communism. Oh, so it's like transitional Russia. Basically. But why would they regress? Well, the banditi are definitely going to be the warlords. Well, yeah, the warlords are basically banditi, but why would they regress? Like, right now, Russia as it stands... It's more like the Russia they present near the end of the book, where they actually have their own republic. Mm -hmm. You know, a democratic republic that takes votes on things. Uh, it's not as free and open as, say, American democracy, but it's more like Russia today. But it's only this one small, tiny pocket. Who doesn't get involved in the mass bloodshed that the eight warlords do? Uh, it just doesn't make sense that some continents would regress so far. And, you know, I almost feel like that's a a sort of a flaw of the the worldview might makes right is really sort of a big thing that i like i've seen i've been seeing this theme a lot with rifts everywhere yeah everywhere might yeah. makes right and the thing about muscle heads specifically those that are you know roided out to, to the point that are or you know amped up somehow that they're not really using much of their uh, upstairs noodle. Upstairs noodle, yeah. I have a counter to this. What well, about like, the missing civilization of the Indus Valley? About how they had a civilization that seemed to be very high technologically, but was overrun by the meatheads. See, and that's where I was getting to. Is things can happen? You know, the might makes right. Well, oh, we don't need the science shit. Fuck that. And. You know, one callous decision like that, and you've stalled a country for or a region for at least a decade. Pretty handily, if you just fully cut funding to shit. All right. I, I would also say, along the lines of fugly, but also bordering into the bad that we talked about, and it also borders into the good. Hmm. Unique. Uh, th this is the unique triple threat right here, because uh, we've kind of covered over it. Uh, I mentioned, of course, if you're going to run a Risk game, especially if it's uh, your first time, stick to one setting or one world book or one theme. Again, if you want to have really please Psychics, Sciescape's your book. If you want uh, a cyberpunk-style game, go Risk Japan. Mm -hmm. If you want people who are trying to survive in the middle of the desert and fighting for uh, oil... And other resources. And, and other resources, there's always, you know, Risk... Um, New Australia. Oh, okay. You know, if you want to play a postmodern fucking cowboy game, yeah, Rifts Midwest. You can do that. Uh, as a bad and a fugly, though, everybody always wants to be their own special, unique snowflake. I totally understand this. Dude, there's so many cool options in this and this and this and this. You get, you know, kid in the candy store moments. Exactly. And Rifts allows for a shit ton of options. In fact, He's got a book open right there that has on the cover of it Gene Splicers, which is a book that if they don't have it, 
Yes, the Anvil Galaxy book has the gene splicers in it. And if you want to play something that's not listed in the books, you can basically build your own character race type. Green up bullshit. Basically, you've been gene spliced and released into the wild, and you can be whatever the fuck you want to be if it's not already been published. More options. <laughs> Even as if they didn't have enough. As if they didn't already have enough. You can literally play in a game where you can be a god, a superhero, a normal dude, a cyborg, a mercenary. A wizard, a dragon. Yeah, a wizard. A dragon a, wizard. A dragon wizard. Uh, a demon, an alien, a giant insect. You can play pretty much everything. And this gets me to the fugly. And it's the mistake that we all have made in Rifts. I have made it. Other GMs constantly make it. Rifts is a game that does not have balance. And Symbiote has uh, addressed this a lot. That, you know, balance does not equal equality. Uh, one person in your group can play a juicer, which is basically a chemically augmented super soldier. The rest of the players can play normal everyday humans. Street rats, merchants, vagabonds, you know, who rogue, knows what? Rogue scholars, you know, whatever, just normal squishy people. Well, that means any encounter that will challenge the group will not challenge the meathead. Any challenge that will challenge the meathead will kill the rest of the group. <laughs> Squish little bit. But, at the same token, say one of the characters has their character die, and he decides, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to play a powerful character. And he decides to play a fallen, um, a fallen, Mr. Uh, fallen Cosmo Knight. So now he's got powers on a cosmic level. Because fuck you, stars. Now, what challenges the fallen Cosmo Knight will definitely annihilate the other human characters and kill off the formerly awesome <laughs> super soldier. And you get into this kind of like Cold War mentality where if somebody dies, they'll just build a new character that's more powerful than the other players. And those, when the weakest one of them dies, they'll build an even more powerful character. And it's it a sort of weird arms race so rotation. I seem to remember someone using the phrase, get good scrub. Isn't get, that basically what they're doing? They're basically, yeah, get good scrub. If your character dies or somebody else says something better, you build a character more powerful than them and you get into a Cold War arms race at the game table. So that's somehow trying to be still cooperative. And still trying to be somehow cooperative, yeah. Which um, is impressive in its own right, just, you know, as, a, as an aside. Rifts is perhaps the most wildly unbalanced game system, especially for players. With the amount of options you have, the amount of shit you can get away with, if the GM says, hey, if it's a public, uh, published book, if it's legal by the rules, go ahead and play it. Oh, dear. Oh, gods. Oh, help you gods try to balance an encounter for your game. Dude, like, as a GM who has looked at Rifts, not GM'd it, looked at Rifts as a player, that terrifies me. Because, like, I'm, I'm having trouble dealing with my own shit as a single player with a single character sheet. For, yeah, well, for example, uh, the first encounter I threw you guys into, and... One of the lessons a lot of people don't take about rifts, and yes, you can do practically anything. It is the big books of boom. All of them. All of them. However, uh, like you said, might makes right, but sometimes, uh, especially in a post-apocalyptic world where every fucking combat is a gamble, oftentimes enough not drawing your weapon is the best way to resolve the situation. And instead of my superpowers gun. Instead yeah. of my superpowers gun. Uh, sometimes leaving your weapons holster is the best plan optionable. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, you got weapons that can decimate entire towns that are uh, in your pocket. And the group, uh, Kazrakan and the other three, are all trained coalition soldiers. They're normal humans with coalition equipped gear. Which... Their laser guns alone can blast through a car. Oh, hey, car. Car be gone. Car be gone. Their it armor, makes pew-pew sounds. Yeah. Their armor is enough that they can uh, basically get hit in the face with an M1 Abrams tank at 70 miles an hour. The armor won't get damaged. The person wearing it might. Because, <laughs> you know, shocks are not always great. Because physics is a thing. And, you know, it doesn't matter how powerful your power armor is, falling hurts. Whether it's horizontal or vertically. 
Yep. Uh, but you guys are trained. Uh, you guys have all the skills and resources that the military, the most advanced military organization at that time have available. And they get into one fight. And actually, it's uh, Nezha's fault that the fight went the way it did because she was actually, ooh, XP, I'm going to fire back. And that's when the um, that's Mega when Juicer... Went nuts. Went nuts on you guys and damn near killed half the party. And that's the thing about balance in this game is I got four player characters with the best military training and gear available to them. And a Mega Juicer at baseline. So everything I put down for his stats and abilities and all that, all the damage he was doing, was midline. Not top end, not bottom end, but midline. So the absolute average... Mega juice you guys could run into. And that, Joe Schmo, if Joe, he was juiced up on Super Crack. Basically, yeah, on Super Crack, Joe Schmo, and he nearly killed half of your party before you guys wiped him, uh, took him down. And then he went nuclear. And then he went nuclear. The thing is, the Mega Juicer that attacked you, even though he was midline, is a playable character archetype. Yeah. It's like, if I had wanted to, I could have been that dude. Just charging it. Oh, hey, there's a bunch of coalition dweebs. I want their shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they're... Juicers are meatheads in every sense of the word. And here's the funny part uh, about that encounter. Again, this is one of those lessons. Because you guys chose to get lethal. Or actually, I should say Nesh chose to get lethal. By gunning down the dude who was running away. Which basically told the Mega Juicer that this was a fight for death. Yep. And when a juicer starts to, get to burn out, it's in their culture that if they're go, if they're on the downswing, they're checking out, they're burning out, they're out, they're going to die soon anyway. They would rather go out in a blaze of glory than fade away. So that and was he, he. He actually did cry Valhalla. Yeah. He so did. when you guys shot his uh, companion and Kurt, uh, killed him in cold blood, he's like, "Oh fuck this!" That indicated that this was a, a life or death fight. I'm going big. There, there was no way to get out of this other than go big and die, you know, in a blaze of glory. And, you know, or win. And win, or win, or run away and bitch out. And die sad and lonely without any anybody telling stories about how awesome this juicer was when he died. But that's the balance thing. So I have four characters, player characters who are out of the books. Including one of them with flight. Let's just yeah, put that out. Yeah, one with flight. And then I got one... NPC based off of player character rules. This it's is just not, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. This is obviously not a balanced system. I, I just, yeah. And yeah, that Mega Juicer, he damn near wrecked all of us on his lonesome. Oh. And like, if it hadn't been for the fact that we were in, you know, big ass meat suits of super armor. We would have been splattered. I believe the party lost, well, uh, one character lost half her face, uh, two helmets were lost, most of the weapons were lost, uh, a lot of gear and equipment. Your vehicle was annihilated. Ka-fucking nuked. Uh, yeah. Ka-fucking nuked. Uh, plus, you guys were taking iodine tablets while running away because of uh, radiation damage. Because he is literally nuclear powered, this fucking well, juicer. Ends, yeah, well, your helicopter wasn't, but still. <laughs> he was. Yeah. So it is not a balanced system in any regards. Uh, Rifts makes what you did with a cult adventure, sir. <laughs> look like, like child's play. Look like child's play, dude. Look like it's playing kitty kitties with the pool. Fuck. It's totally true. Handling two uh, CR7 undead T-Rexes under the direct control of a player is a lot easier than handling four player characters who are playing characters out of rifts <laughs> broad spectrum very broad spectrum uh like i said though like if i wanted to create a super powerful character and i did this in a game one time because i was accused of power gaming <laughs> okay kitty gloves are coming off the kitty Here gloves it goes. came off because i got accused of power gaming when i was explicitly not fighting at my full ability knowing that my character had already seen two years of playtime and already had you know, fucking thing. he had things under his belt already and did not care about fighting anymore, he had done that been there, done that, fought he, that ooh, yeah, he hit the old man phase you know, that, that phase that all warriors get into is like, I don't want to fight anymore 
You wonder, he hit burnout. He hit burnout. The other player kickers were like, well, that, that player's not fighting at their full effectiveness. Therefore, they're not pulling their weight. So I was like, all right. You threw the gauntlet. You threw the gauntlet down. So I fought at my full power. And I revealed my full power level. It was over 9,000. <laughs> and the rest of the group could not fucking keep up. Because every turn, by myself, I was killing twice as many uh, NPCs as the players were collectively as a group. And then they they started complaining about that. I'm like, they asked for it. They asked for this. You literally bothered me enough to do this. Now, Rifts is a system where I was playing an established character who did not want to fight, but rather negotiate his way through conflict. Even if that came down to outright bribing the enemy just to go away. He doesn't want to fight anymore. The players made him fight. So I got accused of power gaming. When I came back with my next character, it didn't even make it to my turn yet because the other guy was accused of power gaming. Yeah, it turned into a full-on argument. I was waiting for my turn because every attack in the game system I was immune to. Everything. I specifically built my character not to be a damage dealer, but a damage soaker. You could literally rub two black holes on his testicles. He would survive. So would his testicles. He took no damage from anything. So just this uh, is what I could make as a first level character, <laughs> a guy who takes no damage, ever, ever, just literally just walks around and be like, "Yeah, I don't die." I throw rocks at things because it takes longer and it annoys the enemy more. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought like a cheap ass weapon that does like one NDC because combat would take for fuck all ever. Poke. Basically, poke. I would just poke them with a stick until they died. This was a first level character. This is what I can build. So, yes, it is wildly unbalanced. That is the biggest fugly of Rifts. And for somebody who does not know in advance... That or, this is the case. Or even does know in advance, but still allows it, they have no one to blame but themselves when shit gets out of hand. Right... Fucking insane. Like I said, it's up to the GM to moderate the group in advance. Right? It's like, you really have to be on the ball about it because otherwise, Mr. Impervious meets Mr. Kills Everything in Three Seconds. Oh, what was great was the other player, uh, his character that he just started out with, could cast uh, level six and above spells. He couldn't cast level like one through four, but he automatically was able to cast ritual level spells, which require a group of people. He could cast them by himself. Just because. Just because, as a new character. Because he was accused of power gaming, so he built like this power yeah. caster who could basically wipe out 100 square miles on a whim. And the two of you would be like, okay, we you want to see power gaming? This is power yeah, gaming. Yeah, we were like, you want to see power gaming? We will fucking up the ante. And like the rules were we couldn't play like demigods, and I'm like... That's easy. <laughs> Demigods is just when I want to play a fluff character. It's fun because I have two concepts that don't mix together otherwise. And Demigod is like a segue that allows me to jockey the rules in such a way that it makes it work. Bend. Bend. Yeah, you, at least with uh, Demigods, uh, the way they were originally written, you can bend the rules in such a way that if you have a concept in mind, you can still bend those rules to play that concept, even if it's not legitimate. Legitimate, so yeah, it's still ways to get away with stuff. So, wibbly nibbly. Uh, Blasphemous, you've been pretty quiet. Well, uh, yeah, that, this isn't a thing I'm actually. I haven't dipped my toes in this particular pool. Uh, I've definitely been trying to get my, we'll say, knees wet in Silver Age Sentinels because I got the book now. I've been thumbing through it. I've been sitting down writing stuff. I've been listening to old radio dramas. About superheroes and detectives to build my story. Are you saying we need to do an episode on Silver Age Sentinels? I figured, since this is a new season, yes. and I'm sure many people are tired of us talking about the same things over and over again, maybe we should do introspectives and full-on deep dives into some of these more systems that don't get as much coverage. Because D&D and Pathfinder... They're you, big names nowadays. Yeah, yeah they, and, they do get a lot of the press. So I think definitely if we look into these systems... What and kind of town do I live in where a man dressed as a role-playing game gets all of my press? <laughs> Sorry, I had to do a Joker moment. <laughs> but but it's just one of those things. Like I would love to talk about Silver Age Sentinels. And I definitely think... Because you've gotten a lot of hits on a video about riffs. Right? Uh, I have, yes. 
So I think maybe if we continue doing these and get deeper into, because I, I have yet to find a video on Silver Age Sentinels at yeah. all. Dude, you have a video maker. Yes. I'll apologize, dude. Yeah, let's get together and do this, and I think that'll be the direction we should go for this season, is take this as a season of getting into game systems that might be more fun if you are really burned out, especially after the year of epic-level computer gaming, over-the-computer, D&D, and all that. Let's look into some stuff people can play as a refresher. Ah, Season 5 of Blood Force Gamers, the obscure season. Yes, the edgy, you-don't-understand mom. I was into this game before you were, man. You want to play a really great game? I'll break out my copy of Cabold's Ate My Baby. <laughs> yes, I do own a copy of that. So, uh, plus, it'd be a good deep dive anyway for us to suggest some games and really let people know what they're about. Because I'm sure Kaz has got a couple we've never played. Uh, that might be a more narrow band than you think. But we'll see what we can get at. No, I played 5th edition, so I played all the games that Kaz has. <laughs> oh, cheap shot! <laughs> I had you. Anyway, I know. Um... I've ranted on enough about riffs, and yes, we should move on to other games as well. I think that will be our season. So, dear listener, uh, of course, our email is always open. If there's a particular uh, game you want us to try out and leave our perspective on, go for it. I am Dude, that would be awesome. Game suggestions. Send us, send us a cool game idea, and we will fucking rock it. We won't get any suggestions. I'm just leaving it on the table, though. I dare you. My I double is, dog dare you. My email is sad. <laughs> My emails. Uh, I get more emails from Wish.com. I haven't even signed up for them. <laughs> but in closing, long story short, uh, as far as the Rift GM dominant here, uh, before we move into other game systems, I will say Rift is a terrific, in-depth game system. You have so many goddamn options; it is very overwhelming. Very. Very overwhelming. You only need three books. They're about $30 pop available on the Palladium website. Oh, and Palladium website, I should have mentioned this in the good. They have sales often. Dude, I get an email from them like once every other week. Yeah, like once every other week I get an email from them and if there's a book you're waiting for, it may go on sale in a couple of weeks. It may not. But they have sales all the goddamn time. And actually, it was during their sale that I picked up uh, some of the books that I got for our game right now. And a couple of them I got at like half off. Yeah. Yeah, their sales are not chintzy or cheap. It's not like a 10% off. No, it's no. like, oh yeah, like we're cutting a third off this. Yeah, we're cutting or, like a third off. We did like, you know, half. And sometimes we can. Sometimes they get really crazy with it. I've seen sales where it's like, buy this book and get this one free because they got like an overprint. Damn. You know, so I've seen it. It's very super rare, but I've seen it. Um, wow. Okay. The Palladium system is excellent. You know, so if you go onto their website to order their books, uh, keep in mind that Rifts is done on the Palladium roleplay system. This means that if you decide to play any of the other games that Palladium has published, whether it's Palladium Fantasy, uh, whether it's uh, Nightspawn, Oh, wait, no, Night Bane. That's right, they got sued for Night Spawn. But I have a copy of the original Night Spawn book. Please sign it, Mr. Symbieta. I would love you. Uh, pretty Feel much free it, to sponsor us. Yeah. They, they have a lot of independent um, stuff, you know, from like Beyond the Supernatural. These are all on the Palladium system. They have a conversion book. So if you want to cross things from one of the other books, like. Um, if I want to take a Glitter Boy and walk him into Night Bane. It is possible with enough conversion. Yes, they have a conversion book for that. And in some of the newer books like Nightbane, they do have the conversions in there. This being said, if you want to port something over to Rifts, it's a lot easier than porting something from Rifts because Rifts is kind of its own standalone. But if I want to do a Beyond the Superhero campaign and bring in something from Rifts to really step it up, I can do that. Or vice versa. I can take Robotech and throw it into Nightbane wildly divergent uh, settings but I can do that pretty much like GURPS. Everything in Rifts can be cross-contaminated to grow new and unique storylines. That's probably like the bestest of the bestest and all of their books of course uh, all the stuff that is available is right from their website. You do not have to go through a third party like eBay or any of the booksellers or Amazon you can get it straight from them and, and every time you guys have seen this they sign their books. Yeah, like I, I, I have a signed copy 
of the core edition rulebook because I picked up a copy for myself for Goblin's Game. You know, because I want to have this, and it's a really weird, complicated system, so I want to be able to, like, thumb through it on my own time. Yeah, every game copy that I got and the receipts. Signed. Exactly. Fucking signed. Like, hand-scribbled. Yeah, like, you can tell it was not printed on. It's hand-scribbled. Every time. And sometimes I got little messages in there, you know, which is nice to add, you know, like, keep on rocking in your game world or something like that. Right. Well, what was what was it? One of your receipts was like, I can see where your campaign is going. Have fun with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a personal note, just like that. They're like, I can see where you're going with your campaign. Have fun. I'm like, great. So they have, on the customer service side, that is fucking phenomenal. I love it. Damn right. So as much crap as I give Palladium, they do earn some really good marks where where it do, matters where they step it up where it matters they're very good at communicating with the customer they're really good at customer service and um, it's a very personal thing despite is, being a very impersonal buy like I can click the buttons and punch in my card and send it off and that's about as far as my interaction goes but on their end it's like oh this dude just ordered the core book dee, 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 dee. yep so that, that's a super wonderful thing and my final thoughts, because I know I'm rambling again. I love this fucking game. I love the system. If you want a complex game with just shit tons of rules for almost every fucking situation possible, how does a psychic fight a magician? How does a Borg fight a dragon? How does a demigod get genetically mutated? Somewhere in these books, there's a rule for it. Uh, so it you, exists. You, you have tons of options, and... You can run pretty much any type of scenario in the Palladium universe, and Rifts has plenty of crazy-ass shit in post-apocalyptica. You have room for pretty much any option that you want. You can tone it down. You can beef it up. You, you can, can go real creative with it, because it's like, oh, there's no rules for this yet. Or you can settle disputes. You can have one player write out rules for Star Wars stuff. Convert Star Wars into the Palladium uh, setting. Uh, right? In their space setting. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell you that I've also told Kazarkan to write out rules for Star Trek by the Palladium system. Make sure the rules are fair and balanced on both sides. And then you guys can duke it out with Star Wars versus Star Trek characters to see who wins. <laughs> Star Wars wins. Well, yeah. No, I mean, duh. The Force. No, actually, Star Trek wins. Mm. The Dowd. The, the I do not even need to bring in Q. I can just bring in the Dowd. Uh, the Dowd episode, uh, he got pissed off at a species, so he wiped them out. Just because? All of them. Mm-hmm. He just wished them out of existence, and they all went away. Cool. But he couldn't bring them back. Q could bring them back, but yeah. I got your force right there. When you got a guy who's sitting on a planet and just decides that you don't exist anymore, you don't. Who wins? Well, let's see. Except, All I got... Oh, wait, no. Palpatine might win, actually, because he can shoot force lightning from a uh, testicle across the galaxy. <laughs> no, even better. Even better. I got a guy who, from orbit, will just be like, mmm, tasty planet juice. Yeah. And um, even beyond again, that, I have something in the un... Uh, what was it? The unknown regions that all I gotta do is move a few black holes and space anomalies... And I unleash basically Nightmare itself. Yeah. Again, there's plenty of stuff. And, you know, Rifts is a very versatile system. It tells a rich story. And it does so in a lot of morally ambiguous ways. Which is kind of clever. And, you know, it's something that DMs can play to. Yeah, like in some regions, slavery is completely legal. In other regions, they have anti-slavery movements. Which is great, because this is a very adult conversation, but you can have this conversation at the game table with player characters deciding the fates. Right. Um, uh, they even get the things like, the first time they introduced slavery into Rifts, it was an alien species that was enslaving humans. But then it got more ambiguous a little later on, where it was humans enslaving humans. And then you get a little more ambiguous later on, where it's aliens rescuing humans. <laughs> so you get like this weird little trifecta so of you get this crazy weird, topic. You get this trifecta of where is the good, where is the evil, where is the gray area. So you can explore very adult topics this way at the role-playing table, and they still got rules for it that you can play by. And, and do so in a way that it's constructive rather than just a shouting match. Yeah, you can have constructive criticism with D20s in your hand. 
which is nice. Uh, my final thoughts is you want a, a complex game that's very old, has a lot of support, has a lot of options. Buy the gods. Uh, check out rifts. Uh, some of it will scare you, especially the girl uh, oh. side. <laughs> but if you're willing to do some reading and learn to do math beyond your basic four, a risk can be your friend because you have options to do damn near anything at the game table. That is me, Game Goblin, going back to my crypt, signing off, have fun, and enjoy the rest of Season 5, uh, all you wonderful, wonderful, legendary gaming individuals of awesomeness. Game Goblin, going back to my crypt. I think, I think I like how Rifts is. It the rules are complex and it's not always organized in a way that's terribly brilliant. But at the same token, it is in depth. It tells the story, and it does so without limiting the DM's creativity, really. And that's fucking awesome. As Goblin said, you know, thank y'all for showing up for season five. Whether that means you started with our first and our crappy. Uh, Robocock Mike and all the way up to Do not mock Robocock <laughs> Don't make me get Robocock Bigger Blacker Edition <laughs> Right on the table behind you I know But with that Kazakhan back to the skies I don't really got much to say Except thank you and welcome to season 5 Motherfuckers we're going to do a lot more of this, and please, for the love of God, some interaction. Email us He's begging something. Again. <laughs> Come on, people. I dare you. Signing off. You know, I uh, I don't trust a man on a ladder. I'm just saying, because he's always up to something.